Let the show begin. Damn. Y'all feel it? Oh. This is the Finesse Media Podcast, Season 3. Check it out. The number one show focusing on HBCU news. Hey. With guests, entertainment, Ladies and, and surprise co-hosts. You put me in an awkward situation. Now, here is your host, Ken Finesse Media. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome to another episode of Finesse Media Podcast, Season 3. I'm your host, Ken Finesse Media, and each and every week we bring on people that finesse in the game. So thank you for joining us for another episode. And this episode we're highlighting an HBCU. So this HBCU of the week is Southern University out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Can't wait to chop it up with my girl and speak with her about her experience at Southern University, Alicia Sevenstein. So, so uh, Springo, that, what's up, sis? So definitely going to be getting it in on this episode. Um, how y'all been? Um, it's been a crazy, crazy week, probably for everybody. But, uh, you know, we're going to keep it locked and keep the things going with brand new things. And uh, we'll be back because uh, the HBCU of the week, Southern University, we're getting right into it. Not going to waste no time. We'll be back with something brand new. Let's get it in. Damn. Y'all feel that? College Fund, 
and the flagship institution of the Southern University system. Its campus encompasses 512 acres with an agricultural experimental station on additional uh, 372-acre site, five miles north of the main campus on Scott's Bluff overlooking the Mississippi River in the north section of Baton Rouge. Southern University is the 13th intercollegiate athletic teams are known as the Jaguars and are members of the Southwestern Athletic Conference, also known as the SWAC. The Human Jukebox is also known and well-known as the marching band that's represented its way uh, for many years, since 1947. Man, I love Southern University. It's, it's one of my favorite marching bands in um, the SWAT. Seriously, uh, for those that have followed this podcast all the way up until now, you'll know uh, that Southern University is um, the human jukebox. Seriously, uh, the show style, the marching, I think it originated from that band. So uh, I love that campus as well. Uh, but I couldn't tell you much more about Southern University more than my guest tonight. My guest tonight is my soror, Zeta Phi Beta, and she's going to tell us about her experience at Southern University, soror Lisa Celestine, and uh, I can't wait to speak with her, and uh, she can let you know about her experience at Southern University. So joining us for the first time on the Finesse Media Podcast, Season 3, make some noise for my soror. Alisa Celestine, baby. What's up, Sora? Hey, what do you do? That was a great intro to stuff, and I'm like, hold up. I'm feeling some type of way now. Man, (laughs) (laughs) Man, what's up? Welcome to the podcast, sis. How you been? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Look at you. I mean, when I tell you this is this is glow up, this is glow up. <laughs> <laughs> this, Man, this is what the HBCU experience does. This is what it does. That's for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, no, thank you for joining uh, You know, me tonight on this episode and being the spokesperson from HBCU. Historically Black College, Southern University in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So tell our listeners, you know, I already know, but let our listeners know, when did you attend Southern University? So I attended Southern University um, from the fall of, don't do the math, people, from the fall of 2004 to when I graduated in the spring of 2010 with a Bachelor's of Science in Biological Science with a concentration in uh, pre-medicine. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Get those degrees. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. So being from Southern, or being at Southern University, let our listeners know, are you, uh, where you're from? So I am originally from Brobridge, Louisiana, which is about 45 minutes um, away from Baton Rouge, going away from New Orleans. Because the first thing people say is, are you from New Orleans? And I'm like, no, I'm from Brobridge. And they're like, where is that? <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know where Lafayette is? They're like, no. I'm like, well, then you all know where Brobridge is, but it's okay. <laughs> so I am um, no, so about the southwestern part of Louisiana. Okay, that's what's up. But you're from Louisiana still, uh, by all means. So what made you choose Southern University, you know, for your undergrad experience? So it really wasn't a choice. It was more of um, um your brother went there, so you got two options. You either go to ULL or you go to Southern. And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> going to ULL 
was like going to high school all over again because it would have been right in my backyard. So I was like, all right, let me see what the yard talking about. And I mean, it was from day one till now, you know, we, I tell people this all the time that, you know, we start off strangers, but then by the time you leave that campus, you are a family, you know, if you are, you are part of Jaguar Nation, you know, we're, we're serious when we say we are one. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That is uh, what I was going to ask about when you say we are one. What was that one experience when you got on campus at Southern when you like, yeah, this was my choice. I'm glad I came here. Do you remember that moment? I do. Um, and truth be told, the moment happened when I met people of uh, what we call the blue and white family. I was introduced yeah, to the <laughs> which Beta Alpha Chapter of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated, which was the first sorority on the campus of Southern University. Let's go ahead and state that. Um, so I was well, we to already go. Beta. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's still our centennial. Um, and so I was introduced to them, and they were like, oh, you stars, little sis. Well, you know, you're fam, you're good. And I remember thinking, like, oh, my gosh, this is my first time being away from home. You know, because I grew up in a very small town where, you know, everybody is related to each other. So you, you pretty much, from the people that you leave the hospital with, you're pretty much, you see them until you graduate. Um, and so mm-hmm. when I got there, I was kind of like, oh, you know, but you see so much of what looks like you. And you're like, you're still trying to find out who you are. And they're like, look, we got you. Come on. And, you know, the molding process <laughs> begins because it's just, no matter what major, no matter where you're from, you're, someone will take you underneath their wing and be like, hey, sis, I got you. You're a jag now, you know. Yeah. And that from that moment, no, freshman that. year, I mean, it just no, skyrocketed Are you from saying there. freshman year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, freshman year. I mean, I was hanging out with upperclassmen that I'm like, you know, hey, they're like, oh, you know so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, we're cool. And they're like, you know, they're upper class now, right? And I'm like, no, what that means? But <laughs> <laughs> no, sis, definitely, you talked about it, and, and, and definitely, we, uh, I should acknowledge, happy centennial uh, to Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated, my sorority. So, uh, on campus, Beta Alpha Chapter, uh, Zeta Phi Beta, what made you want to be a member of that sorority? So, um, I don't have any biological sisters. And so there was one particular Sara that was um, very, very welcoming. She was in a food nutrition program, which is right across from where um, I was majoring, um, which was James Hall in biology. And one day she just saw me and she was like, what's your name? And I told her my name. And she was like, how about you come sit with me under my tree? And I'm like, yo, tree, like you got a tree? Like what, what, what is that? And so when I, you know, went and sat with her and I talked to some of the other girls and they were like, oh, you know, she's nice. She's cool. And I'm like, okay, what is like, what are y'all doing? Like, is this a cult? (laughs) And they're like, no, we're a sorority. And, you know, I just started talking to some of the girls and they're like, well, just come hang out with us. And I remember at the time, of course, being a freshman, you know, you couldn't really pledge because you had to have so many credit hours. And I remember just actually hanging out with them and not even going to any interest meetings. Like I Clearly, I saw that they were blue and white, but I'm like, okay, I don't, I mean, I know they're Greek letters, but what is this? And they never pushed the sorority on me. They just talked to me, and they introduced me to other members of Greek letter organization that they were friends with, but I just never felt that, oh, that's my sister. 
And so this one particular girl was just like, she started introducing me to people as her little sister. And I was just like, oh, well, I never really had a sister before, but okay, let's do this, you know. And so, I mean, by the time the, the time was right, I was like, hey, go ahead and uh, let me go ahead and sign these papers right quick <laughs> so we can get this on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, no, it's a, a good line. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's interesting yeah. and great to talk to people who have been, you know, not only from the HBCU, because, uh, you know, I'm spotlighting them every week. So to hear, you know, you know, my folks, blue and white, definitely that has joined. They, they could tell a story and, you know, listen to other Greeks and stuff, alphas, and, and, you know, we have deltas on, probably some of everybody at this point, you know, I've had on, on the podcast. And just to hear our experience, no matter what school you go to, you know what I mean, you still have that same connection, that same bond. You know what I mean? Y'all came down to the yard, you and Soros, uh, and jumped yeah. up. Uh, with us, it was almost like y'all went to the damn school. Shit, I was like, man. <laughs> we do tell people that we do. We do claim hey. to be honorary UTB members, unless we're playing each other, and then we like, hey, it's it's, it's all about the Jags here, you know. But no, those were some good you, times. Spring you guys, you guys right? Told, yes, you said spring two thousand seven. Yeah. Yeah, you guys were so welcoming. Yeah. You y'all, we showed up there, and y'all were like, "Oh, what what it do?" And we're like, "Hey," <laughs> and y'all were like, "Oh, y'all spring on seven, come on, come on," you know. And it was, uh huh. Fans, you fans, I'm like, come on, let my fans throw us up in here, let them up in here. Yeah, you know, you know. It, I mean, but the school itself, though, you know, it was an extension of home. You know, it was the uh, you you knew you were on the yard, and you knew regardless if we were in Arkansas or Louisiana, you know, or where we were in Monticello, or you know, whether mm-hmm. we were in Baton Rouge or New Orleans, you know, we were still we were still one. Mm. But man, I asked this question to all of the folks that come on, and uh, what I want to know, I'm going to take a quick break, but when I come back, Sora, I want you to tell me. What do you say to those people uh, or in those conversations that you hear uh, when they say that going to an HBCU is, isn't relevant and the experience or the education that you receive from an HBCU isn't equivalent or great to as the education that you'll receive in a PWI? So you know you've heard that question before, and I'd like to know your input on it when, I, when we come back, Okay. Okay. All right, cool.
Patrice Murray Views Photography. Professional photography that won't break the bank. Latrice Murray Views Photography does it all with stunning photographs. Book your photography session today at lmviewsphoto at gmail.com. Hey, we back with another episode of Finesse Media Podcast, Season 3. I'm your host, Ken Finesse Media. Got my sorority, Alicia Celestine, still with me. Beta Phi Beta, Beta Alpha, Spring Go Seven. Fans, what's up, man? And, uh... <laughs> Happy you joining. I got you on mute, my bad. I'll bring you back. What's up, Sora? Hey. Hi. So I asked the question before we, you know, uh, left. What do you say to those people, you know, that say HBCUs don't matter, the education that you get from HBCU, eh, don't matter. You got to go to a PWI. So this question, and it's so ironic, was asked to me very recently because I had a former classmate reach out to me and say that her southern was, or her son was interested in going to Southern, and he's very, very athletic, but, you know, she was, he wanted to go there for the experience, but she was concerned with him going to a PWI in Louisiana as well for the athletics. She was like, what do you think? he would gain from going there. And my response to her was, well, there's something about an HBCU, especially Southern University, that makes you grow. It teaches you life lessons that you just won't learn any other university or even any other Mm. type of university. It goes well beyond academics. It goes well beyond a degree. You gain a family. You gain a sense of you see people that look like you that are not forcing you to be the quote-unquote token. You're not just a number. Your degree matters because of the work that you put into it. Um, An HBCU, and especially Southern University, teaches you that nothing is given to you. Everything is earned. Not even just earned. You're going to have to wait for some things. You're going to be told no. But guess what? You get back up. We're not always going to be the number one school on, on the newspaper cover or we're getting the media coverage that we are, but we're still, we're still good. We're greater than, you know, we're not always going to be the spotlight or the, the school that is just the number one talk of the town because of our, our color, but it's because mm-hmm, we are mm-hmm. alert. You know, it teaches us that you network. You always find that someone is a boss, and if they don't have a boss, you become the boss. You know, it teaches you that you, you, it's more than just money and recognition. It's about value. And, you know, you and I, especially coming from our fraternity and sorority backgrounds, where we say this all the time, it's not about the quantity, but it's about the quality. I mean, they have so many people complaining about the long lines of waiting for voting, and we like, Ryan, we got that. (laughs) We know how to wait. (laughs) Right, right. Mm -hmm. And we also are very proud of what we accomplished because we know we put in that work. And that work doesn't just come from going to an establishment where you're the black person. No, you're going to an establishment where you're earning a degree where it's all the black person. You know that your ancestors put in something and they sacrificed a lot and some of them sacrificed their lives. And it wasn't just because their parents had money 
or the the state had money. They wanted to make a difference, and because we continue to enroll into these universities, we don't understand yep. that we're still making a difference. So when I told yep. her that, and I was like, "It's once you become part of the Jaguar Nation, as cliche as it sounds, you are a part of a nation. You are part of that because no matter where you go." Someone in you, you have those colors on, or you have my HBCU, someone is going to tap you on the back and call you a brother or a sister. Someone is going to reach out to you, just like I said. When I went to um, Pine Bluff, it wasn't that, oh, she's from a rival school. She's from an HBCU. So guess what? Yep, We're taking what care of our own. We may be rivals on the field, but, let, but you better believe in the world where one. And we, we yeah. show them every time when someone says, oh, you graduated from an HBCU or you went to an HBCU, hold up this, graduated, worked for there it, you got go. mine. <laughs> yeah, you know? and that's it. That's it. Go, go ahead, Jaguar. Yeah. <laughs> it is, and it, it, it's, it's discouraging sometimes because we're so close to LSU and we do feel sometimes that we're the underdog, but you know what we do? We just let it shine. We let we let what we do mm. speak for us, and we just say that, you know what, y'all can run that ball, we'll create the ball. That's what's up. Well, That's what's up. Listen, dropping it, dropping it very hard, y'all. You hear it? Representing Southern University, Alicia Celestine, man. So, listen, I definitely can't let you get up out of here without – uh, letting folks know that not only are you a graduate and a hard worker, you're also a mom. So how the babies, man? How the baby doing? <laughs> I wish he was still a baby. He will be five in January, and nah, he, uh, he's I still a baby. The other day, oh no, that's a grown man. He could eat like a grown man too. Um, and yeah. we were, it was a Bayou Classic picture, and I was like, who's that? And he was like, Jaguar. And I'm like, yeah, that's what we are, baby. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I have to, you I know, know you. Not, it might be a house divided because his dad is a golden lion, so yeah, we might have to, you know, know that may be some issues you know there, but, you know, <laughs> we just, you as know. long as he stay on the right side of black and gold, we might be all right. I don't know, though. I don't know. He is only five. But we can agree on blue and white, though. That's what we can do. I mean, you know, we, we can, can agree on that to some extent because, you know, some of to you some sigmas no. can get along. You know. <laughs> you know many great no. men are sigma. You got many, you got many great uh, friends in sigma, man. And, and you, you know, but listen. I thank you, sis, for joining the podcast and representing Southern University for show for show. Um, I don't know if you want to shout out uh, anything that you got going, working, any projects, because, you know, I know you're finessing the game. Well, we are. Um, I actually am the box office supervisor at the Raising Canes River Center. And, you know, with this pandemic, it hit us really hard because I do work in live entertainment. Um, but we're getting back there. We just we have to tell people this as far as the live entertainment world. We're begging you. We're pleading with you. Wear your mask. Mask up. You know, um, because we want to get back to it. We want to continue to put on live, you know, live shows, live entertainment. My director is a black woman, and we, we're trying to take over the game. And we, we need we need the help of y'all to make us go where we need to go so we can uh, sprinkle this black girl magic all over the state. 
<laughs> For sure. So wear your masks, people, so we can have this entertainment in, you know, uh, in every city. Because, you know, some cities are shut down, some cities are kind of open up, but we want to make sure that all cities are back open and we can, you know, do it safely and stuff like that, man. So, so uh, thank you so much for joining. And uh, you got to maybe join me on a uh, co-host edition or something, man, because you got a lot of fire in you. You got a lot to talk about. Most definitely, you know, it's always a pleasure. It's nothing but love, um, and so I would definitely look forward to that. Of course, I have to go now deal with my sisters who are like, why you didn't tell us? And I'm like, because y'all know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they listening to it now, so what's up, family? All the way from the live right man. They wouldn't want to be on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> All the way you from know the live crew. <laughs> <laughs> I love them, man. They bring a lot of energy. I know they probably still kicking their heart. Uh, I got to get down to Louisiana. Uh, the Value Classic was not there this year. I didn't even want to bring it up. Uh, but did you go down to Shreveport? That's a negative. <laughs> not oh, okay, right. Nobody <laughs> did that. Yeah, nobody nobody did that. So I didn't even bring it up. It was definitely irrelevant. Uh, respectfully said, man. So the Value Classic, wear your mask so we can get back. To the, you know the classic and having fun in the streets of Louisiana, man. Toro, I love you, man. Blue five, G five, all that good stuff. My fans, my fans, take it easy because it's too easy. Don't take it, y'all. This has been another episode of Finesse Media Podcast. Stick around. We got our next um, feature coming up. This guest you don't want to miss. This person I couldn't be uh, more excited to talk to. But of course, this episode is brought to you by L. M. Richardson of Author of Double Play Summer. Make sure you get that book. It's on Amazon, Kindle, anywhere you can purchase books digitally. Check this author out. She's a young adult author. She's also a member of Delta Sigma Theta. But L. M. Richardson of Double Play Summer. We'll be back with something brand new. Sora, thank you. Which starts as the best summer ever quickly turns into a foul play. DJ has to give up her bedroom and the most important softball tournament of her short career. Without DJ, the team isn't confident they'll be able to make it past the summer softball showdown for a shot at Nationals, as it turns out. The summer wasn't a total bust, but was far more rewarding than DJ could have ever imagined. Unexpectedly, DJ makes the all-star team, combats trauma, and goes on a date gigging with Jonah Payne. A Double Play Summer by L.M. Richardson can be purchased on Amazon in print or digital formats wherever books are sold and is also available in Kindle Unlimited. All right, let's get ready. I got some great guests tonight. I'm doing it with two people. Fatima Talia, Maeve, get ready for a wonderful part one of this great episode, the dynamic, the dynamite duo. Let's get ready for Nest Media Podcast Season 3, Episode 12. You yeah, definitely go. want to get some more juice in your system because you seem laid back. <laughs> I, <laughs> I want man, you to turn it up. You know what's crazy? It's, it's, been a, it's been a long day of clubhouse. Okay. Have you heard about that? 
I heard about Clubhouse, dude, and we're going to get uh, all into Clubhouse, uh, me, Sheree, Nicole, uh, coming up with some things, too. I think, man, you, you probably know about it because we're all in the same circle. So yeah. uh, the Clubhouse joint is, is real decent, and uh, I'm excited to really jump on that on that because I had it before, and I, I didn't really, you know, stay long with it, but... We back. We back. We back. We back, y'all. I'm sorry. We just came right in talking, but we're back yep. with another episode of Finesse Media Podcast, Season 3. It's your boy, Ken Finesse Media. I'm your host, back with two great guests. Uh, for the first time, I feel like I'm being double teamed, but this is what, from Superpower, uh, as you can see in the background, and it's also going to be with a lot of mixed maze up in this joint, so they coming at me hard with all this pressure. Join the podcast for the first time. Make some noise. I want to give it up to the queen first. Fatima Talia, she's an actress, she's a writer, uh, she's a comedian, and she's also uh, Moesha of the Millennial. Welcome to the podcast, Queen, for the first time. And join yes. by her side is her bro. Uh, again, they should be twins, came out the same womb because they are super talented. But Nate made uh, Grammy-nominated producer, writer, and a uh, uh, DJ. We're going to talk about that, too, because uh-huh. Mixing it, uh, Maeve, um, the mixing. So welcome to the podcast, bros and sis and family again uh, for doing this uh, tonight on this episode. How y'all been, man? Quarantined. <laughs> in the house. Right. Huh? In the house. That's how we've been. We've been in the right. house. I mean, they outside in Atlanta, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Atlanta is definitely turning up, man. So Yeah, we're not doing that in L.A. Together. And, no, you're in L.A., so you're down in Atlanta, so... How long have you been down in Atlanta? It's probably a whole... I just got here on Wednesday. Okay. They're locked, we're locked down in L.A. Like, there's no going nowhere. There's no being anywhere after 10 p.m. Man, it's bad. L.A. is it's shut bad. down. Yeah, yeah. L.A. is shut down. Let's take it back to Chi-Town, uh, my it. people. Let our listeners know, um, Nate, who y'all, where you're from? Grammy-nominated producer. These folks got to know who you are. Yeah, yeah. From Hey, we from the crib. We all be yeah. crib. From Chicago. You know, the South Suburbs. Right, right. Well, you know how it goes out Chicago. You could be, you could be from 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 Champagne. You gonna say you from uh from Chicago? But wait, wait, wait. I say that until they say, "What, what, what suburb?" And I go Harvey. They go, "Oh, okay, okay, okay." From Chicago. So, so to be specific, we from Harvey. Basically, you know, Harvey World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, but what's crazy is we 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 moved all over the place when we was younger. So we. We could say we we from Country Club Hills. Right. We Hazel from Crest. Harvey. We from Hazelcrest. We from yep. Robbins. We out here know. banging all in the South Suburbs. <laughs> yeah. In every area. We all over the South Suburbs. All them streets. No, yeah. shout out. Yeah. Shout out to Harvey. Um, Illinois. When you say Harvey, that's right. You might as well just consider that to yeah. be Illinois. Anything that's South Suburbs for sure uh, is gonna get that coin. I don't know so much about Bolingbrook and those folks. Yeah, right. Nobody's yeah, claiming your baby. But get closer, team, because I want to talk to you, man. Uh, the things you've been doing on the internet and making folks laugh and being a comedian, has she always been this funny growing, growing up, Nate? Oh, yeah. You know what's crazy? So, you know, like, this is my sister. So, like, for me, it's like, this has just been life. It's just, it's just normal, right? You know, we always, and it's always been like you when know, we all get back together or something and we all get together just as a family, it's always just been like crazy laughs, nonstop laughs. <laughs> That's just been regular life, you know what I'm saying? So to kind of see that translated into a comedy set, it's like, oh, this was a, this was a thing a long time ago. Man. This is not nothing new. <laughs> I'm you know? in trouble. 
Yeah. I stayed in trouble. It's funny because my mom always tells me now, like, I remember like, growing up, she's like, you need to be a comedian. I used to be like, like annoyed. You just be like, whatever, you know? <laughs> but like now, I mean, this was not planned. It's so funny. I was just on Clubhouse talking to somebody about this. It was not planned. I did like improv and stuff and kind of wrote a little bit. And then I just kind of bumped into the right person that was like, you're a good storyteller. You should really look into doing open mics. And I was just like, I guess. And then once I started doing it, it was like natural to me. So mm-hmm. I was like, this this feels right. But I was like, <laughs> you know, but it's, that's how I've been my whole life. You just tap into who you are, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really can say maybe that's, yeah. And so the Manisha, the Moesha, uh, the millennial, what's that about? I mean, that's super creative. So that you tapping into kind of like your old school, as you mentioned, growing up a comedian and tying it into right now, Moesha, the millennial. It's what a weird story because I started writing those from this guy I was dating who I couldn't stand. And it all started with me like having, a, like every weekend was a bad weekend with this guy I was dating. So I would tell my friends, Dear Diary, last weekend. So it started with being silly. <laughs> At brunch, being like, dear diary, he didn't answer again. So then I had braids. And when I started doing that, one of my homegirls was like, yo, that's like Moesha. And I was like, that just made me spark an idea. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm going to try to find this music. And I'm going to turn this, what's going on with this guy, into something online. And I mm-hmm. literally did. Some of it was true. But then it grew into, like, you know, just imaginary stuff and taking my friend's stories and mm-hmm. rewriting them. and making Because them it's real pictures. life. Yeah, making them relatable. It is real. It is it is real life. It is real life things. And then, so I'm gonna switch it up because now you finessing the game. And, and again, we bring on people that's finessing the game. So you two have been finessing it for so many years, growing up together. Now you're watching your big brother, you know, killing the game, being a producer. Uh, I want to talk to you about Stonewall. What mo- I want to go right there on Stonewall, dude. What mo- what motivated you to write that and, and produce, you know, that 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 track because that came from a deep place. Selena Johnson, if, for those that don't know, uh, uh, the Acoustic Soul album. Let How me, did you create let me, that? Let me clear this up first. Because I hope I ain't throwing nobody on, on no, the no. bus. But I'm the younger brother. No, yeah, um, he is. Okay. But that's but, a compliment for me. No, yeah, 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 I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. fine. I also I'm, do I'm, think I'm, he's the oldest I'm, brother, though. I mean, I'm the big brother. I, you talk the fives and everything. I feel like I'm quite immature, but I'm like, that's great. Because what's the age? What's the age between you two? We're three like, years apart. Three years apart. Okay, okay. Yeah. It ain't, it ain't uh, much. Yeah. But no, so, you know, the inspiration behind Stonewall, the crazy thing with that is, like, kind of like with most of my placements that I, that I have out here in the world, it's literally me in a room by myself coming up with a, uh, just really trying to get these sounds out of my head, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'll wake up with some sounds in my head or I'll go to sleep and I'll wake up out of my sleep with these sounds that I got and I just got to get them out, right? That's basically what Stonewall was. It was something that I just created not even with with Selena and mine. Mm-hmm. You know, this wasn't, it wasn't even created for her. It was, this was just created because I had an idea of a song and I'm like, alright, I'm going to make it. So, you know, how Stonewall came about was um, you know, us just being in the studio and, you know, me just pressing play. I'm going through my list of songs. She heard that one, that one resonated. And then from there, that's when it kind of, because Stone, because what you hear <clears throat> is not the version. It's not the original one that made the, the album. Right, version, right, exactly. Yeah. So, so then once once Selena got got her hands on it and we sat down, put our heads together, me, her, and Toxic, and we, and we were trying to figure out how we were going to put the sound together, then that's when the sound got 
it, that, that's when we created that sound. That's when I brought in people to play the guitar for me and brought in people to do the strings for me and stuff like that. And then it turned into a whole thing. So, yeah. And, and and for you and for you and your sister Selena, you know who is family. You guys have this lineage of you know talent, you know just all throughout the family. Shout out to uh, you know Sean Black, you know an, another talent artist, talented artist. So kind of what that's what that's been like for both of you. I don't know who want to take the first question of just realizing that damn, our family is talented as fuck. You know what I mean? In all different facets, because we talk about Dr. Salisha, who's on the professional level, you know, as a professor. Uh, but also as a brand ambassador, but how has that been for, you know, the two of you growing up and just realizing that it's just not been you two with these superpowers? Man, it's funny you say that because I didn't even think about that. I'm like, wow, that is true. Yes, I mean, you, yeah. it's normal to us now. So I'm like, that's yeah. right. But I guess, um, well, I started with Lena in the beginning when she was first starting out with her career. I was a background dancer for a little bit. So that oh, no was shit. That, you know, right. So we I watched how, you know, how her career developed to where it is now, where, you know, when she was doing her own makeup and now she has makeup artists. Like I saw a lot of the beginning stages and learned a lot from that to kind of know how the journey kind of goes and what you will go through. So I mean for So me, Charles on the corner is what you what you saying to me is Charles on the corner been had these moves. I've been doing <laughs> you know I've been doing Charles on the corner for about four years. Get out. Yeah, it's been going on since two thousand and 16. I wow. always go back on my Instagram sometimes just to see how far I've come. Yeah. And I went all the way back and I was like, dang, you've been doing him for a minute. And it's like people are just not catching on to it because of quarantine, really, because everybody's now online. So, mm-hmm. but it's normal to me to answer your question. It's, 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 to me, it's normal now. And I think it's very cool that we have other avenues that everybody does in the family that you can ask questions, you can reach out to. And I think it's also cool a lot of times when I'm like, doing a podcast or something, and someone is like, oh, that's your cousin. People definitely look at that like, dang, y'all standing on like mm-hmm. 10 toes down. Y'all got a lot of stuff going on, and then they exactly. find out what my brother does, and then my cousin. So it's cool. I think I love the fact that everybody does something different. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have all did music. Mm-hmm. I love that everybody yeah. is doing something okay. different. It shows a, a, a lot of versatility in our talent as a family. Yeah. Like for me, like I was I was I was young, like when like when 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 she when Timo was out there doing the thing with you know uh, with Lena in the beginning, so I was always kind of watching from afar, or for the most part just watching my sister, right? And I was telling her this before, like I, I low key learned my hustle from her, mm-hmm. you know. So like you know wa- watching her, and then as I got older, kind of understanding what because like here's a fun fact. I never really even knew that I wanted to do music until probably after I graduated high school. That was never even a thing for me. Really? Like I never even wanted to do music. I wanted to be an actor. Yeah. Like, so I was trying. I was trying to be on TV. What got <laughs> yeah. you into music? What kind of motivated you? I mean, I always like me, me and my little cousin always talked about it. You know, um, a couple people, like a couple of my peers, and like in, in my class was doing it. You know, so I, I always kind of like been around it. Uh, my father did it, you know, um, but like what actually got me into it was just one day I was just talking about it with my cousin. Then I, right after I graduated high school, I went back to visit my old broadcasting teacher and we were just talking. Mr. Tuffy. Yep. And he was shout out to Mr. Tuffy. That's my homie right there. <laughs> uh, he, he low key. I can honestly say he's the one that actually got me started because I just went to go visit and he handed me this disc and he was like, Hey, 
I got this software that nobody really knows what to do with it. Mm. So I'm like, all right, cool, I'll take it. And so I took it, I went home, loaded it up to my sister's computer, and it was the first version of uh, FL Studio, of, of Fruity Loops, mm. which yeah. is now which is now <laughs> like the industry standard right now, you know, technically. And people used to actually laugh at me for using FL Studio back when using MPC. NPCs and everything. Now it's like that's what you that's what you use. So, so, so yeah, no, that I mean, I got that software and I literally taught myself how to do everything that I do. I ain't go to school for nothing that I do. I taught myself how to do everything. Yeah. And I was, I mean, just kind of messing around with that. And then as I got deeper into it, Lena hooked me up with Toxic. Yeah, the connections too. The connections through Lena, even when I wasn't even ready. Because if I go back and listen, even Stonewall is a Another fun fact, I hate that song. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, you got to be kidding, man. What, what don't you like about it? I mean, what you hate about it? I'm a, I'm, I'm very, I'm a perfectionist. So I'm very yeah. picky about my sound and how I want it to turn out. And when you grow and you go yeah. back and listen to If it, I go back and listen to Stonewall compared to what I make now, oh, oh my God. Good. Oh, I'm, if, if I made Stonewall today, it's a whole different, it's not a different song, but sonically, it's better. Yeah. So that, that's, that's what I, like, when I go back and listen to my old stuff, see where I started, sonically, I wasn't there. It's like when an artist, or, or when people go back and look at an old artist's painting, yeah. and they're like, oh, that's one of my first pieces. It's like, not one of my, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of like the same thing. Like, most artists are like that. Like, you grow yeah. and your, your creativity changes, changes all the time. Oh, so when yeah. you look back, you're like, this was mm-hmm. whack. What was I thinking? You know, but people love it. Yeah, but, you know, the cool thing was, you know, Lena, Lena put me on. She heard something that was there, you know, Toxic, you know, picked me up. And like I said, when I got put on with Toxic, again, I wasn't sonically there as a producer, but I was still, like, pushing, pushing, pushing every day to be better, which is why, you know, things worked out on that end. But, yeah. So. No, that's super dope because I was going to ask about – I was going to ask about because when you're, you know, moving around and it's sometimes different, like we, we all from Chicago, right? But we're all living in different places. I'm here in Dallas, Texas. You are, you know, L.A. Uh, and you're in Atlanta, right, um, Nate? Yeah. You're based in Atlanta. So how is, you know, how has that transformation been different, for, uh, you know, or how did you have to adjust particularly for Tima that's being in LA where it's a competitive market and everyone wants to be talented and, and kind of get on by who they know and what social status as we know it from, you know, that LA crowd. So how difficult, if any, has it been kind of making your footprint, you know, in LA? Footprints are different than surviving. <laughs> okay. Um, I um, Footprints, I think, what I know now was very much different than everyone else that was there. I had an agenda and I was very, very serious about my agenda mm-hmm. because now I have friends that I knew when I first moved there that are not even doing what I'm doing now. Like people drop off the map. Like LA is like the battlefield. You have to be like, someone told me this recently and I was like, huh. They were like, your focus is like uh, the mask they put on uh, horses in the race. Hey, talk to them about it. Come on. You know what I'm saying? They were like, you stay focused on that finish line. You don't see anybody next to you. Yeah. And that's kind the of blinders, what I baby. The blinders, baby. The blinders. Keep the blinders on. And another Tommy told me that recently. He was like, that's why your, your ass be making it like, he's like, you don't see nothing. And he's like, and I'm like, I had that though. Like, I, I have moments where I get tired in LA, trust me. 
And I'm always like, dang, we got to get that scene from 2014. Like, <laughs> <And you laughs> I'd be like, come on, nigga, get, get back to 2016. Like, you know, because it, it's a tough, it's a lot of work. Like, but I had those blinders on from the jump. And when I say that, that means like deep, like I lost relationships, friends. That's the kind of blinders you got to have where you can't hear nobody trying to distract you. And that's what I went through so far with LA. It was like, I had lovers being like, I need you to be here, you're here. I had to be like, if this is the goal, friends lost, drop off the map. It's like a journey on a boat and you'd be like, oh damn, we lost such and such. It's a whole, whole ass thing. But the survival part, I think I, I, I was a hustler, man. I knew how to work at restaurants. And that's what I did. I had probably about every damn restaurant job in LA. <laughs> like at this point, ain't nowhere for me to even work. Like I'd have been fired from all of them. Like, and what's the point, I'm, It's a picture of me in every restaurant. Like, don't even know. Um, <laughs> but I went through so much with like working two and three restaurants. I again was on Clubhouse and I was telling somebody they was like asking me how I started, and I was like, Yo, I used to work two restaurant jobs when I first started comedy. I worked in the morning. And I worked at night. I had so many jokes on receipts <laughs> for my job that I would show up to open mics in the middle of shifts with my apron on and just pull out jokes and turn up and then leave and go to the next job. I was like, the hustle was real. At the same time, having on blinders, it's like you turn into, like LA, I used to tell people like, Chicago hardcore, but LA made me a woman straight up. Like, mm. you, you, you will know right away like when I'm my roommate for example she's always like this is hard I'm like bro by your third or fourth year you gonna know if you want to do this like if you love this mm. like if you don't feel like you love this by year three leave trust me it's bananas <laughs> like and have you had those everything. moments have you had those moments being out in LA where you like yo I'm about to leave and absolutely mm-hmm. and so I, I think I had one last week like, <laughs> like, this that's LA like it's you're not only like dealing with just what you want to do with your career and how much of a journey that is. You're dealing with the people, the egos, the like it's a lot going on there, like 24-7. And there's a lot of roadblocks that look like gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, mm-hmm. I've had many a moment where I've had to learn that, well, when this person says this, that really doesn't mean this. Mm-hmm. Or when, you know, when this happens, that doesn't mean a million dollars. Like it. <laughs> I have had to learn a lot of lessons, and I think LA is one of those places where you're going to keep learning them. Mm-hmm. And in learning, yeah. and in learning these lessons along the way, uh, and continuing to hurdle over these little, you know, adverse situations and battles, what is those kind of mantras that come in your mind that get you back up and going, and that kind of reset and make you say, "No, put those bags down. LA is where I'm going to stay, and that's what I'm going to do to stay here to keep those blinders on." Crazy enough, I I feel like my younger self would have never said this, but I feel like there's a lot of people that are inspired by me now. Mm. And I don't think this is my journey anymore. I think this is for, not just for me. And I feel like as I've gone through this journey and reached this level, I, I literally feel that way now. Like, I feel like when I feel like I want to stop, I'm like, well, there's like 13 little girls that are counting on you to be whatever that is. And you have friends and families and really close people to hang out with you that are watching you and come to you when they're not feeling great. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of, you know, people that you guys probably know from TV that will call me and look to me for advice because they see the strength within me. So I think it's, that's my answer to that. It's not about, it ain't about like getting the Gucci watch or whatever, the Gucci nothing. Like I would say <laughs> in the beginning of this, it would have been about bags and 
big houses and cars. Now it's like about respect mm-hmm. and um, giving back. Yeah, and longevity. Yeah, definitely. And and swinging it back to Nate, asking when you're being it's many different things as a producer, a writer, a DJ. I want to t- definitely talk to you about your latest project. Uh, you know, in your DJ world. But as you're being this producer and not at first wanted to be into music, but now being, again, Grammy-nominated producer, what has been your creative process? What does your creative process look like when you're constantly uh, being different? So lately, it's, it's, it's been, you know, really just jumping right on an idea as I have it. Because, um, you know, one thing a lot of people didn't know was, like, for a long time, maybe for, like, not really, for eight years, while I was, you know, freshly Grammy nominated, getting placements and stuff on TV shows, stuff like that, I was a licensed banker at J.P. Morgan. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people didn't know that. So, you know, my creative process was kind of cut in half in a lot of times, in a lot of cases, because I had to be ready for the next day and put on my suit and be this corporate guy, you know? So, um, so now music is what I wake up to is what I go to sleep to. Right. So, um, yeah, really. I mean, my, my creative process has always been just like, whatever my idea is, I like right, literally right before we hopped on, I was putting together a song. You know, I had an idea and I'm like, oh, let me get this out real quick. I had three minutes. Cause that's what I- <laughs> three minutes. I'm like, all right, let me let me get this out. So really, it's just jumping on the idea right then and there. You know, I, and I ain't gonna lie, low key, I have made some of the best music I have ever made when I smoke a little bit. Yeah. Spark up a little bit of something. You definitely like, late to the party. Yo. You've been telling us that for years, Nate. Man, I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening. But man, I'm, I'm yeah, so so. Now. I mean, I, I, I and you know, I, I don't want to you know say that 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 is a is a, a a big part of my process, but it's definitely uh, you know a helpful tool. It's a helpful tool. You know. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that, that's that's my process, and then a lot of times you know when I'm starting to learn now too, because I'm a loner. I'm always about you know trying to knock out my ideas on my own. But you know, collaborations, man. I, I collaborate with a lot of people. Uh, a lot of writers, uh, musicians, you know, uh, bass players, piano players, you know, my, my artist, of course, is a writer and a producer as well. So I, when I collaborate with people, I started to notice that my, my creative blocks don't exist mm-hmm. when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm working with people. Or if I have a creative block, that's when I go seek those people out mm-hmm. and then I'm, I'm back where I need to be, you know, yeah. so. And that's a good segue because you just talked about collaboration and being with others and definitely partnerships is, I I believe, one of the strongest things you can do, particularly in this time, particularly for us as black folk. So each and every week on this podcast, Mm -hmm. we definitely highlight people that's finessing the game. uh, And they have been people that's been black folks. And I love that. But then also shouting out our HBCU. So that's that's what it's all about. But collaboration is what you did recently uh, with Rico Banks on an indie project. So talk to us about that. Uh, recently uh, released project. Rico Bands. Yeah, yeah uh, Pretty Rico Bands. Um, Rico Bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, nah, nah. So, uh, so, man, you know what's crazy? Crazy story about him. Like, he's a former former Disney kid. Uh, he's the guy that played Diddy in the Tupac movie, All, All Eyes on Me. Um, you know, he's just a, he's, for him as a singer, he's an all-around performer, mm-hmm. right? And I almost, you know, 
didn't even like entertain the idea of working with him because I'm just super picky. And because the way we met was so weird, right? So I was working out of the studio here in Atlanta and it's a real secure place. It's gated. You got to have a code to get in and everything. And, uh, you know, one day there was this thing happening where each studio suite was playing one of their big songs that they were releasing or going to be releasing. He somehow found his way into this super secure uh, studio and was going from suite to suite playing his music, right, or getting the people to play their music. He got to my suite and he was like, man, can I play my song? And I'm like, nah. I'm like, I'm trying to play my song that, you know, that, that <laughs> I'm putting out. I'm like, nah, just, just let me take your number and I'll, I'll call you later. So a whole month go by, I haven't called him, I haven't called him. And the only reason why I actually went to go see him perform one day, because he invited me to come out to uh, see him perform. And I was debating on whether I should go or not. And my wife was like, you need to go. So I went. And this dude had an incredible performance. I'm sorry about my dog in the back. No, it's all good. Uh, but now he uh, he had an incredible performance, and I was sold ever since. You know, so since then, you know, we've been we, we've worked on maybe two. The dog, I think, is mad you didn't put him on the track. I guess so. <laughs> the dog, like, listen, I told you I was gonna be ready at seven. Yes, <laughs> left the house. <laughs> First of all, he's 14 years old. Yeah, that's old. It's past his bedtime. Oh, he's whoa, yeah, whoa. He's yeah, you got an old dog. Uh, but yeah, no. So yeah, pretty Rico bands, man. He's an incredible artist. You know, we, we've done uh, a lot I didn't of know projects. Yeah, uh, all eyes on me. Not yeah, that yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. um, So the project we just put out is called Pink. Um, it's a you know it's a short EP, but it's doing some great numbers, man. We got a single called Pay for It off of that album right now. Going crazy in the club. Okay. Crazy so, in the club. You know, right now, you know what we're doing is um, we just keep. In the, in the pandemic, what I've learned is keep going. Yeah. Like if everything's looking yeah. good, great. We done with that. Mm-hmm. We moving on to the next thing. We about to release what you know a whole new uh, slew of songs and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we're keeping the ball rolling. We're working on new songs right now. Uh, trying to work on um, some distribution situations. This is my other dog. Hey, beautiful dog. Beautiful dog. So for those who can't see, this dog is about uh, 10,000 pounds. Uh, He is a jet black. What kind of dog uh, is that, uh, Nate? A badass dog. He's a boxer. A boxer. He's three. The other old dog is back in summer. Okay. Okay. He's farting, too. Yeah. (laughs) Another special guest. That's what's up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, His superpower is that he'll bite the shit out your ass. I'm sure. I don't need to <laughs> hey, he big. He big. But that's what I was going to ask, uh, Nate, because when you talked about the pandemic and kind of that focus and just keep moving and, hey, we've been through that, particularly for a comedian, it's you got to stay current. I think it's one of the hardest jobs. No disrespect to anybody who does more things, but m- one of the things about a comedian is that you have to be current. Uh, mm-hmm. I had Hope Flood on as the first episode, and we talked about that, and her kind of creating these uh, workshops out in L.A., actually, where you are, for mm-hmm. comics, because you just can't I get on the stage that. and grab a mic. Yeah. And a lot of times, people at the family reunion, they go, hey, I'm funny, but getting on that mic is challenging. Oh, you got to know how to work that stage. So uh, much respect to comedians, but particularly, and again, in this pandemic phase we're in, right? And it's not a, a space for you to entertain and touch people, because that's probably the biggest challenge for a lot of comedians they, they it's cool to be having these interviews but touching people is one of the things that you guys doing so what has that challenge been like for you um creatively or not being able to you know touch folks and, and maybe just be creative has that been a challenge for you doing this time uh in the beginning 
the first three months was was really I was like really antsy about it, but then I found ways to to like get it out by doing my social media, by doing Charles, by doing Moesha. But in LA, it's warm, so comedians found ways to get our shows on. We started doing things like driving shows. Uh, you had p- shows in the park. Mm-hmm. You know, people could they brought a speaker and people wanted to get out. So we had a lot of people in park and theaters. The comedy store on Sunset started doing comedy in their window. Different concepts, but I was doing comedy in the window. But it was, I mean, I was getting fire followers and stuff on Instagram. People would be like, yo, we saw you in the window at the comedy store. Mm-hmm. No, it's very creative, though. And some yeah, of that shit won't go away. Some of it they'll actually keep. That will probably yeah. just stick around. And it was a hot show. I mean, I'm talking, it was Donnell Rollins was in the window. Uh, Cedric Entertainer came through and did the window. So I felt like I was, I hustled during the pandemic. Like, no matter, plus I was working on shooting what we did together. I was shooting my half hour. So I had to find a way to work on the material because it was like, writing it is one mm-hmm. thing, but working it out actually live is another. So I found ways. I had on a coat and I was in the woods. <laughs> we had lights on each other. And we was on rooftops, and like I said, the comedy store, I did that quite a bit in the window. And I will say this, most of us as comics were saying, we're going to be much stronger because of this. Mm-hmm. First of all, doing comedy in the window, you have to be a lot to get everybody to pay attention to you in a window. Mm-hmm. So I got to a point with some of my jokes, I had to beat on the window with the last words, like, that's what I'm talking <laughs> about, bitch. <laughs> you know, you have to be like, like ah, like... It was, it was weird, but people would stop because they would hear me banging on the window saying what I'm saying, and they would come in and then watch me. First of all, that's got to be crazy. It's just a regular person walking past. <laughs> exactly. And, somebody... <laughs> and I was like, that's not what I'm saying, goddammit. And he banged on it, and they would be like, what? But that's <laughs> Somebody who's probably like, what's going on? It's, they're not knowing it's a comedy show. They're probably just yeah. right. crazy. Um, taught us how to like move in a way, like even doing Zoom shows. You know, you can't hear the laughter. You just popping off jokes and mm-hmm. you get emojis. Like exactly. I did uh, a live show at the Laugh Factory where there was no crowd. I mm-hmm. hosted a show at the Laugh Factory where we just did it on the live. Bro, I did a whole set with no laughter. Like it was <laughs> No, it was I saw that. So I didn't even realize that that was uh, recent. So like yeah, nobody they were doing that in LA. Wow. They just stopped it obviously because we were shut down, but all of that made us much stronger. Like now, I feel like I slow down a little more in my comedy. I don't really like rely on the laughs as much because I didn't get any during the pandemic. It's like, <laughs> but you know, and then people had to find ways to make it work. So. Yeah. No, definitely. You no. guys are finessers. You will do it. And something yeah. else you've done, we talked about you being a comedian, but being a writer too. How was it working on uh, Laugh Out Loud Radio and Kevin Hart, being a staff writer on that project? Because the classic oh. Cup Boys. They're hilarious, but I know that that machine moves behind Ian, who is like one of the head engineers, um, Nemo, uh, Elmo, but the, the the people that's on that squad Spank. run that show. I just got out of clubhouse with Spank. Spank <laughs> <laughs> Horton. Yep. Crazy, crazy. So how was that, you know? Um, it working? was hard, man. Writing rooms be real hard. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> people like... They'd be stressful. Uh, it was hard because I was the only girl. I was the mm. only girl on this show. It was an animated show we had on there very early on on LAN Network. Uh, Billy Sorrell's is uh, Savage News. So it was like a news show, but it was a cartoon. So we had to push out, man, like maybe six to ten sketches a week. Mm. And you're just popping off, popping off sketches and sketches. So it was a lot of work, a lot of writing, 
a lot of egos, a lot of testosterone. Um, as a woman in the writer's room, you're always like, oh, God, like, they talking about each other. They throwing things at <laughs> each other. It's like, you're like, this is bananas. Like, and I usually work with a lot of men. So and men in comedy are like, no offense, but it's like kids. It's like one's tripping one down the stairs. They're like, shut up. And they're, it's like, you, I usually had to be the one to be like, all right, so this is what we're getting ready to do. Walk <laughs> well, like the lunchroom and I right. right. But it was fun as hell. It was a really cool experience. And I was so, because like I said, that was right in the beginning when Kevin started LOL Network. So he got a lot of like social media influencers and people from All Death Digital were coming over. And I met a lot of cool people. So that led to other jobs after that and other collaborations. So it was dope. No, that's dope, man. And Nate is moving, getting to this DJ, man, working with Selena uh, every Monday, Music Monday. Y'all mixing music it up. Music Monday. The 10 and 10, <laughs> DJ with Selena Johnson. So how did that opportunity, it's obvious or t- to be assumed much, but Selena just don't mess with everybody. You know, she knows you talented. Uh-huh. I mean, whole collaboration happened, man, because I'm loving it. You got the artist coming on for an interview, and then you got the 10 and 10. Well, you know, you got... The pandemic, man, I got to say, man, I, and, you know, I hate to say that it's like it's it been tough. It, it, it was tough for a lot of people. You know, um, it's been scary for everybody, but I feel like it's also created a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole 10 and 10 idea was really just me trying to come up with something to just not be stagnant. You know what I mean? Like, and talk to, to our listeners for, you know, we know, but for our listeners who don't know, let our listeners know what the 10 and 10 is. Yeah, yeah. So, so the 10 and 10 is, is a part of uh, uh, Selena Johnson's Music Monday, uh, where she interviews, you know, a lot of uh, mostly uh, music artists. Um, so whoever, like like last week we had uh, Shanice, um, you know, the song was, uh, you know, everybody knows the song, I Love Your Smile. Mm-hmm. And we did a Vine. You know, David Banner. It's a lot of crazy, you know, incredible artists that come on there. So what I do for 10 and 10 is I celebrate those artists by picking five of their top songs or their favorite songs and five of Selena's songs. And I mix them together. So for 10 minutes, we just turn it up and we having a good time. The comments be going crazy. And, um, you know, we, we started it on, on, on Instagram. Now we switched over to Facebook. Uh, at 7 p.m. prime time, and uh, man, you know, live? yeah, live, live, mm-hmm. yeah, we go live every Monday. Uh, this Monday coming up, we got Eric Roberson, Eric Roberson, a dope, um, dope writer again, dope, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Artist. And, and you know what's cool about it, man, is you know, for me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a student of the music, man. So for me, I get to learn about so many songs that I didn't even know were out there, mm. you know, like some of the artists that I never even heard of, like, to be honest with you, and people might be like, you know, want to throw tomatoes at me for this, but <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know who Eric Roberson was, yeah, you know, I, I didn't know who he was, there's a couple people, you know, that I didn't know who he they were. He found something to throw at the screen. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I, was like, I, I, was like, I, I, I didn't know, you know, so, so for me, um, and again, what's crazy, again, like, like I said, it, there's a lot of stuff that People will be like, how you a producer and you don't notice? You got to remember, like, in the beginning, music wasn't my thing. I've always been a student. I've always listened to music different, but I was never really into the pop culture thing of music, which is probably why my music is, sounds a little different, mm-hmm. I guess. But, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, but yeah, I didn't know who he was. So it's always cool to kind of, like, kind of learn new music. You know, we got Dionne Warwick coming up soon. Nice. You know, and, of course, everybody know who that is. But, 
I'm so Rose the Five Beta Sorority Incorporated. I'll do yeah. a in plug real quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm something like a youngin, so you know me going back looking at, at Dion Warwick's music. Wow. I'm like, yo, yeah. <laughs> she was a fucking beast. Yeah. Yes, and yes. again, you know, I I knew I know Dion Warwick as psychic uh, uh psychic friend. When you right. said that, I die, I was like, so, I was like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So psychic friends yeah. were so out of control. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, just just going back at that is it, really cool. Just kind of learning people's catalog. And just being a part of ten and ten, where they're still there while I'm while I'm spinning, and when we're done, you know, they like thanking me, like, man, you did an incredible nice. job. I mean, that's that that feels good, man. So I I, I enjoy doing that, you know. Um, even though we're not face that's to face, like touching the people. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's even though we're not face to face, we still right there. Like, yeah. like you know, the other week, you know, Avant was like, man, that was incredible. Shanice, like, man, that was incredible. You know, her uh, her husband Flex hopped on over like, yo, that oh, was Flex great. Was there? Yeah, I'm like, so, comedy, son. Yeah. yeah, shout out to my so brother. Yeah, yeah. So you know that those things are cool. Those are cool experiences. So for me, you know, it was it, it the idea. Uh, it was my idea. I brought it to to uh, Selena, and she said, "Man, that would be a great addition." And um, you know, that to me that was a lesson learned because in this business you have to bring something to the table for it to work most of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, gotta, we gotta wake people up. You gotta wake people up. A lot of times you can't just say, "Hey, uh, can I do this or can you do this for me?" Nah, walk in with something. Yeah. That I think that's like when you back to your question earlier. That is something that dope that I think we all get to learn in this family by watching how yeah. since everyone does do this, we see how everybody takes the initiative. Yep. No one waits on anyone to give yep. them anything. Um, yep. and I think you, we learn that by by being a family. So that's yeah. a luxury to have to watch life. For example. Lisha put out her own show, own production company. You know, Lena's doing the same thing. You know, uh, Sean Black's putting out his album. Like, everyone's learning from each other or watching each other. And, and you know, an, an, another cool thing, too, you know, a lot of people might assume, like, all right, you got, you got Selena and the family doing, doing big things. All things flow through Selena. You know, Selena's always been a, a person you can go to and say, hey, can you point me in this direction or, hey, can you give me some advice? However, there's also this thing, too, where, like, well, you know, we saw her do it. We can also go, we can go get it on our own, too. Oh, yeah. You know, Definitely. so so it's so a, a lot of the things that you see happen in our family is just because we've seen, we've seen it happen. So we're like, all right, cool. I can get it, too. Do it. We can get, get it, too, it too mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, that's that's always really that that's been really cool. Like I always say, like our generation, like, you know, our, our generation and my and, and my family, you can ask any one of us that's like the children of you know, like, you know, my like of, of my aunts, you know, their kids and everything, you can ask any of us. None of us are doing the regular shit. No. Nobody None of us. like have a regular life. Nobody's doing regular shit. Everybody everybody's even working a full yeah, even if you don't, even if you are working a job, you're working towards something else. Yeah. Also, right. Work, that's like got what do they something call it? else Kansas you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know. So I always thought that was really cool. Like our generation is is, is way different. Like we, we we look at more independently. Yeah, more independent. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of creatives uh, in this space yeah. now. You know, you with with so much as 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 we sit here in this pandemic. I mean. I, I said it before. If you said at now what is what maybe ten months in this pandemic and you come out the same, what the fuck was you doing? 
because <laughs> I mean, it's very short and simple for me um, because I get it. It's the transition for a lot of people losing jobs, being underemployed, things of that nature. But it what Fatima said, it kind of showed people uh, who were the proactive ones and who weren't. You know, yeah, those that were just kind of waiting on for something and was just never yeah. thinking that this would be a moment where the the rug would be pulled from underneath but them. It hit LA the hardest, I feel like, because that is the mecca of like where people are the fakers. For sure. So when this mm-hmm. happened, everybody yeah. had to take their mask off, and then oh, it was. It was weird. Oh, so they, you, you really ain't about shit. Though. You know, right. You really do need an agent, a publicist, you know, right. Instagram, and, and all these things. You were finding that out, it was people finding out themselves or coming to the terms of that. And it was uh-huh. like, you know, like the Some people got fired in this. They're like, you know what? I realized I didn't even need you. Yeah. Right. Listen, <laughs> that's yeah. not funny for people who actually lost jobs, but that's it. Yeah. Some people pulled up their pants, though, to the reverse. Some people yeah, really did just pull up their pants and, and, and bootstraps, I guess, and, and finesse the game. And you guys, I continue to do that together individually and supporting each other. I asked Nate, I say, wait, y'all don't have no drama behind the scenes, do you? I want to get y'all on here. Y'all not. Because that's that's something. And I'm like, nah, not really. They're like, what's wrong with you guys? I'm like, I think we got it all out in our younger age. I'm like, I don't know. Because you guys are both talented. So, you you know, that's to be expected. Like, who gets the most attention and who's the most successful? I mean, because really, I, I don't know how Brenda Thompson does it. Shout out to Selena Mom, because she got three dynamic daughters um, that's just really killing. Well, yeah, that's killing it, Celeste, Celicia, and Selena. And they're all in different fields, but they still find a way to support each other, which I find is super dope, and collaborate when they can on each yeah. other's projects. So that's important. And, um uh, Love my Soro. Shout out to Zeta Phi Beta once again. Uh, but thinking about collaborations and what's coming up next for you all, what can we expect? I know we talked about being creative, man. And, and Fatima, I heard you say a little bit about your uh, special. So what is coming yeah, up? Can we expect a special from you? This, it was super exciting to do it because at the top of, uh, well, at the end of 2019, this was a goal that I wanted to do. But then it was so randomly this pandemic happened and I was like I'm never gonna be able to pull it off and it was weird like I think he came to visit me for like one day and we we sat at this coffee shop for hours and like literally mapped out the whole plan (laughs) like didn't order food like we just stopped being hungry (laughs) we just kept looking at the menu being like and then we called like we literally set a plan and like set dates and got a venue and I feel like literally we didn't have that much time like Mm -hmm. Because I think we, you visited we, me. We did it. We talked about it in August. And yeah. Shot, shot it in, in October. October. Mm. But I wanted to do it. I had started working on on the material in 2019, and I had was really working on it the whole year, early 2020, and then the pandemic hit, and then we decided we were going to go ahead and work do do it together and collab. And then that's when I was telling you I had to find ways to work on the material so I can keep going. Mm-hmm. It was like I had stopped for a while because there was no place to work it out. So that's when I started pushing myself as, again, like, you got to make a way. Mm-hmm. So I started asking around, and people were like, yeah, there's underground mics if you're trying to risk it. And they're like, just put your mask <laughs> You know, so I was out there masked up, gloves carrying on with Lysol wipes. and was working. Like, I mean, there's a club, and it's funny because everyone knows about this club now, but there's a club in L.A. that is underground as hell, and it stays up at 2 in the morning, and it was so many comedians in there trying to work on their special or trying to get ready for the road, you will find a way if you want to wait. So I worked on it for like three months and it was hard, man. It was hard because it was like, you know, comedy is failure. Okay. People don't know that you got to, you got to bomb a whole lot of times 
before that that material becomes anything. What it is, yeah. So going through that in the middle of the pandemic and knowing I was on a short period of time, yeah, <laughs> I got a plant. <laughs> I was tripping. Like it, it was it was a lot going on, but we worked it out. And and honestly, yeah. it was it was beautiful. I don't know if it was just my time, but a lot of comedians came out for my support. That's dope. People were coming out with their masks and listening to my set for me and giving me notes because it was like there was no real crowd. So I also had to do this material in front of other comics who don't pay attention, mm-hmm. who be smoking weed and who be drunk. So <laughs> if it wasn't for, you know, comedians that cared about what I was you doing, appreciate was your artistry, me, yeah. they would come in and sit. And I'm talking about good comedians like Ken and Baker came in, mm-hmm. uh, Gerard Carmichael, Teddy Ray, mm-hmm. Billy Thrill. Mm-hmm. It was big comics that was busy that was dropping in on me and was like, y'all change this, woo, 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 move this, you know. I, I got lucky, but... That's what we have coming out together. I'm super excited. And my cousin Tony is the director, so it's an all-around yeah. family affair. It was, it, was, it, was, it was incredible, man, how it came together. Like, like, yeah, you man. Know, it, and, and, I, and again, I, I got to say, you know, the pandemic is a gift and a curse. It yeah. depends on how you look at it and how you use the circumstances around yeah. you. you know, That's right. You know, like I said, I worked a job for eight years. I People don't know this. I quit my job in January of 2020. Yes. Mm. Two right weeks, before. Two weeks later, the world stopped. I quit my job because I had, you know, well, I have a lot of things lined up, but all that stuff got pushed back, you know. Mm-hmm. So during this time, I'm like, I literally left my job. I'm like, oh shit, okay. What to do, got, right? What, what am I doing, you know? So at this point, I'm like, all right, I'm. I know I'm good at anything I do. Not to toot my own horn, but I'm fucking great at everything I do. Yes, really come on. Good. Come on, self love. <laughs> no, you gotta do it. When I really do it, so I'm like, what's you know, y'all sign? This real quick, ask that question. Our listeners are probably like, I'm going with what they sign is. What's y'all sign? Because y'all not twins. <laughs> <laughs> Leo, well, he's a Leo. I'm an Aquarius. Yeah, I'm perfect. Leo. Okay, that's yeah, a Leo. Okay, that's yeah. a Leo. A Leo will not be beat in any competition. Yeah, they do say. They are you August? August first. Okay, see, that's the August thing too. August twenty sixth. So I digress, brother. We good. You good? <laughs> They don't know. They nah, don't know. Nah, nah, nah. But yeah, no. So you know, it, it was cool. Like I said, you know, I I I was like, man, it would be really cool to 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 partner up with my sister and 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 do a whole special. Like it'd be really cool for us to pull it off, you know. So, you know, um, I was like, all right, cool. Well, I'll I'll take care of all of the background stuff. Just get your set together, you know. Whoever you you know you whoever you know that we need to talk to. I talked to him. Let's let's get this together. You get yourself together. She, she did her part. It I came pulled, together. I pulled in. Up. I pulled in my cousin Tony. I'm like, hey, you the director? Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, you the director? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know. So you know, like I said, we all had a million jobs. Yeah. But yeah. we pulled yeah. it off. You know, the night of, and, and man, and you ask my wife, like, I was like, I couldn't even exhale until. I got back to the hotel room after we cleaned up everything from the place we was at. You know, I, for for two months straight, I was I just like for the first time. Right, it was the whole thing. You know, the, the night after the show, I think they, I think I died in my sleep. Like, <laughs> no, no. I slept for the first time, dude. Yeah, so, I hadn't slept for months. Yeah. So when can we? Uh, and what an amazing first part. Tune in next week, not next week, tune in tomorrow for part two. Nate and for Team Italia, they continue to finesse the game.
Let the show begin. Damn. Y'all feel that? Thank you.